This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Conversations. Welcome to News Laundry Interviews. I am Chitranshu and today we have with us Vanita Koli Khandekar. Vanita is a journalist and an author who writes extensively on media. If you're someone who follows news media or media in general, uh, you must have read her columns in Business Standard. She's recently put out a new book. It's called The Indian Media Business Pandemic and After. It extensively covers specifically the business of media and overall. So we're going to talk about the book and, of course, the business of media. Vanita, uh, thank you so much for taking out the time. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me, Chitranshu. Great. Uh, so, Vanita, you've been writing on media for close to two decades. Yeah. But media, even today, is not like a major or an important beat uh, in like most newsrooms across the country. So keeping that in context, could you just take our readers through what has your journey been into writing on media? Because I also saw that you studied commerce and then MBA. So how did that lead to like a career in media writing? It's like most young people, I just didn't get the job I liked. And uh, I started my career when India was just liberalizing. So remember that all the big companies hadn't yet come in, but there was lots of hope and lots of nice things happening. So this was uh, in somewhere in end of 92, 93. And I just did, I tried various things. I sold computers, I sold stickers, I did all sorts of things and kuch maza nahi aaya. And then some friend had applied on my behalf to a correspondence for a correspondence job at a magazine called AM. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it was India's first advertising and marketing magazine. And I had a degree on, in marketing. So I said, Ki chalo kar lete and I, within the first month, I knew I love this work. Because it, the variety that journalism offered me in terms of just, you know, different things you were doing and you were learning so much on the job, it was phenomenal. And I was always, um, uh, I'd won awards for writing in school and college and uh, even during my MBA. So, you know, the, it was a nice fit as far as I was concerned. And I entered an area where most journalists could not even read business uh, balance sheets. I had been trained on the business side, plus I was fond of writing. So it was a combination which helped and I stuck on. In 2000, I did a fellowship, you know, this is a long story, but quickly to cut it short. In 2000, I was on a fellowship uh, to Cambridge University. And I, my research paper was on the impact that the internet would have on uh, music. Uh, if you remember, Napster had just become very big. CD ripping was happening, you know. There was a whole lot of pushback from the mainstream US entertainment industry against the internet. And that's when I studied it. And um, my paper was published by various legal journals, et cetera. I had a fantastic project guide on the best minds in the thing. He's still around, John Norton. And um, that was my professional epiphany. I said, this is the industry that I want to study or understand and research and write about. Because what happens to music today is what will happen to the rest of the media and entertainment industry tomorrow. And that's because music is the lowest bandwidth business. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you realize that. It takes the least amount of data when it travels on the data pipes. So what music is like the Petri dish for news, for entertainment, for films, for everything. So what happens to music today will happen to every other industry tomorrow. So if music is reviving today, tomorrow every other industry will also revive because the boom that you see in music industry today. Uh, anyway, so, so that's how I started. And there was a lot of pushback from my uh, colleagues and team in when I came back to India. And I told my editor, Tony Joseph, who's the, also now the author of uh, Early Indians, he said, if you want to do this, 
because I was I was doing tech and entrepreneurship and all sorts of serious beats. He said, if you want to do this, you should become a global expert. Don't just remain a beat reporter. And I think those words stayed with me, that experience in Cambridge stayed with me, and both of them shaped how I looked at this thing. The idea was to raise this whole, to raise the standard of discussion around just the makeup of somebody and this, what a scene did. That is for cinema experts to discuss. But you have to raise the level of discussion. And I hope I've, in, in the years that I've been around, I have done that. Correct. But like overall through your career, do you think the response or like the journalistic interest in media has gotten better or changed like visibly when you started and now? See, when I started, there were a lot of newspapers. For example, the Times Group doesn't cover media because everything is competition. So they will not mention Google. They will not mention Hotstar. So there are, I mean, 80, 90% of the newspapers in this country do not cover media as a business. They will cover in the entertainment sections and write about a show or a film. And they do a reasonably good job. They probably make money from it. But they do not cover it as a business, either because they think there's a conflict of interest or because they think it will give their competitors some publicity. Or, for example, an NDTV, for example, thinks that it's not kosher to cover your, the industry that you're part of. So, I mean, I remember having a chat with Pranoy about this. And the, the thing is, many media owners do not think it's a good thing to cover the industry you're part of, which is also a fair enough reason not to do it. But I was blessed because I was with ABP for nine years with the magazine uh, they own, they used to own called Business World. And Avik Babu was totally like, do what you want. Correct, correct. No, no, I completely understand. In fact, like Abhinandan has talked about this, that when uh, Abhinandan and Madhu wanted to make clothes line, huh. and before it went up on the YouTube channel, they mm -hmm. went uh, to every major channel in the country and nobody really wanted to take the show because in the show Madhu would really talk about what like other media channels did. Uh, so keeping that aside, tell us more about the book. So this is the fifth edition. Yeah. So like how did this book come about? Like how did the idea really germinate in your head? And like how did it make it to like fifth edition? And how has really like has changed from first to fifth edition? Chitranchu, you Harry Potter no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, there's a phrase which McGonagall uses, which is sheer dumb luck. I think mera bhi kuch aisa hi raha hai. I've been dragged a lot in school and college because I haven't read Harry Potter. So no, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter fan. I, I, I'm a huge consumer of media also. So, so, so it works very well for me. Uh, so um, I was teaching, I was doing some series of little series of guest lectures in 2001 in the Xavier's Institute. I'm from Bombay. And I was doing a series of lectures in XIC. And I told the students, Acha, now you know you guys refer to some basic media textbook and figure this out and then we will discuss it. So they all said that there is no basic book on media. So I said, how is that possible? And I was young and I was foolhardy. So I decided that I will write the book. I was also hugely influenced by a guy called Harold Vogel. I don't know if you've read his work. He's done a seminal piece of work called Entertainment Industry Economics, which is now in its 11th or 12th edition. Okay, he covers every segment of the US entertainment and media industry, including leisure, casinos, all of that. And uh, he does a deep dive into everything, the business dynamics, the history, the payoffs, the ROI, how the industry functions. So I have been totally inspired and that's the template I use. Unfortunately, that kind of data is not available in India. So the first edition was a real struggle. Because I, 2002 is when I started work on it. At the time it came out, it was 2003. And uh, the first, the second publisher I went to, Sage, agreed. 
और उस टाइम इतना कुछ अवेयरनेस नहीं था you know there would be pieces on the ad rates for this thing has gone up or the ad rates have gone down those that was media pieces so i i did that and uh, then of course it became standard textbook in all mascom schools it is used in lots of foreign universities which have south asian media studies as a so so soas uses it or a university of westminster i know for example they used it or some part of their research used it so there are several universities where it is used in india is across the board i also designed courses for various mascom schools i stopped teaching now but i used to do it based on this book the last edition was in 2013 and after that i've been a little lazy in many ways so that this edition took time and this edition was i signed for and researched this edition during the pandemic so there's a heavy influence of that feeling and this was at the peak of the delta two deaths were happening all around me in april may i lost a close family member so the the impact of what this means for this particular in, uh, in business that i am so fond of and i analyze for a living is very very strong in this book correct correct so on the book i really want to start off from the chapter on tv and uh, i sort of need you to expand on an issue that i think is quite close to news laundry and also our viewers which is mm-hmm. the amount of misinformation bilobigotry that you see on television is directly linked uh, is directly linked to the economics of the business of news right uh for example like try which is the telecom regulatory authority of india and which is the broadcast regulator in our country it sets price points for how much news channels can charge uh, as part of subscriptions huh. and correct me if i'm wrong like in india less than 10% of tv channels revenue comes from these subscription on their channel which which from from what i could gather is one of the lowest in the country so how closely linked do you think those two points are that there is, there are regulation wherein there is a set limit as to how much channels can charge for their subscription and what really makes it to the tv do you think is d- deeply linked or do you think it is an issue but it's not a major issue okay so good good point that you've raised and i think there's very little understanding of this point but i just want to clarify for your listeners and your viewers that what you are referring to is news broadcasting correct you're not referring to entertainment broadcasting no, no, yes, correct news, yeah you so news broadcasting is a small sliver of the entire broadcasting business it's a small fraction of the entire broadcasting business in terms of revenues a it's a large proportion of the broadcasting business in terms of number of channels so if we, if we say india has 900 channels broadcasting into the country right now about 400 of them are news channels 387 or some such number which is the last number the book carries all these numbers having said that the issue with news broadcasting so news broadcasting must be anywhere between 4 to 5000 crore in terms of the revenue that all news channels put together probably make out of which only three of three companies probably make any amount of money the rest of them all lose money this has less to do with tri what you're saying is absolutely right but it applies more to entertainment broadcasting not to news broadcasting because news broadcasting remains free to air no news broadcaster has ever had the courage to price his channels correct because they do not have the content to price their channels correct number 
uh, entertainment broadcasters get anywhere between 30 to 35% from subscription revenues because the average cable prices in India will be about 200 rupees, 150, 200 rupees. So they get about 30, 30%, 30, 35% they get from. Uh, so leave aside, your point is absolutely right, but the problem is not just price control by TRA, the problem is media ownership. So there are three issues. One, we do not have a decent public service broadcaster. We have a public service broadcaster, which is controlled by the state. The Prasad Bharti Act never gave complete freedom to Doordarshan. Uh, like BBC is a completely independent of the government broadcaster. So the presence of the BBC keeps other private news broadcasters in the UK within check. They have to maintain a certain standard. And that's what gets the goat for uh, Sky News, which is owned by Murdoch. You know, Sky News cannot do the harm that Fox News does in the US because there's a BBC News in the UK. Please see the difference in those markets. And that's a that's one anchor, one not-for-profit strong news brand can change the shape of this whole market. And it has to be a not-for-profit brand because news is a very expensive business to be in. You're part of a company which does a small B2B news operation. So you would know how expensive it is to do good research, to hire good journalists, to get them to um, do good stuff on video or writing or whatever it is. Number two, ownership is a huge issue of these 400 channels. Roughly half are owned by people who have not bought it to or who have not set it up to do news broadcasting. They have set it up because they want influence, chahiye, extortion, karna hai. cable wale ke paas bahut paisa ho gaya, usko jama karke chalo bhai. You know, wo local politician hai, wo, you know, so these are the people. Ofcom rules state clearly that political power, Ofcom is the UK communications body. It has clear rules on religious organizations, on political parties, on people with uh, who could do undue influence. We don't have any such rules. So one, we don't have a strong public service broadcaster. Two, we have problems with ownership of media. And three, we have a wonky business model. So, you know, when you have owners who do not care about revenues, they throw money. Now the guy, the, uh, uh, let's say a news broadcaster who wants to do serious news broadcasting, is going to look at his Excel sheet and say, this is my cost, this is my revenue, I journalism produce so much, I This guy doesn't care. He's throwing reporters all over the place, he's throwing resources all over the place, and he doesn't care about revenue. So you could become the number one channel and make no money, but if you don't care about revenue, you're spoiling the market for the serious guys. So these are the two, three issues uh, with news broadcasting. It's what you're essentially saying, it's it's more on ownership than- it like, is own, like, I think like, even the ownership issue can get sorted. See, all governments like to, um, uh, do not like to, uh, you know, it, it, media is always seen as a way to control the narrative or to control the media. You do not see media as an industry. Very few governments have the foresight to see media as an industry which generates jobs, goodwill, soft power. The amount of soft power the Indian media industry is generated for this country. I, I know it's, it's a study I would love to do. Tomorrow, if I get a fellowship to go somewhere, this is the one thing I'm going to study. The correlation between our growth as a nation and, you know, in this, the films, for example, bring so much credibility to India. It's not funny. Correct, correct. Yeah, I think all these articles on K-pop culture, whenever I read them, I just read like, 
if not like as much bollywood or the indian film industry will also have like a similar impact or influence uh so cool so you you just talked about uh, public broadcast and right you gave bbc and like for example germany has deutsche welle you talked about uh, in the book how what we essentially need with doordarshan and all india radio is more financial and administrative autonomy but of course given the political climate and regardless of which party is in power they would not want to do nobody. that nobody i mean manish tiwari talked about not having an inb ministry but they didn't do anything so no political party likes to give freedom to doordarshan or the idea that there shouldn't be an inb ministry no political party will like, like so do you think like our public broadcaster will ever realize their full potential or they'll really be stuck in this limbo i don't know i don't know i we started as a country where you know uh, i remember reading when i was researching the first edition reading that uh, there nehru was very upset with the coverage of um, some of the issues post partition and post independence and there was this thing that you know you should control the press and he says no i'd rather have a bad press than have a press not have a free press and he was one of the few prime ministers who stood up i mean for a, for example for a movie called dharmputra i don't know if you know it was a communally charged movie if there were riots because that movie happened but he said no this movie has to go through we will not stop it from being released so there are very few um, examples i have found of governments which stand up for the freedom of the media and say uh, that and i'm talking news media and now i think we should even discuss creative media in the same uh, breath because the rate at which films and uh, scripts and tv shows are being attacked it's a this conundrum is the same correct correct and you know just on the you mentioned standing up to news media i think for that part unity among folks in the industry is very important so i i also want to sort of talk about at least and i'm just talking about news media not media in general which is and because it's fairly obvious in news media that how there is a lack of unity in fact i just want to read a part in the book uh, yeah so this is uh, in the chapter on print and i think you're quoting someone here you write publishers simply don't talk to each other to sort industry issues mm. in cement steel companies come together in newspapers the indian newspaper society used to have some standing now it has become a joke mm. nobody wants to be a catalyst mm. this then meant that whenever the time came to sit down and figure out irs which is indian readership survey could be rectified it proved impossible to get publishers to sit together i think this is about getting the irs metric right so there was no consensus but this is something which is fairly regardless of what stream you are looking at so for example in digital if you look at digital media you have keep up of which news laundry is one of the founding member mm-hmm. you have something called dnpa which is again a consortium of legacy media organizations who all also have a stake in digital media correct uh, then then something called dnpa where Repub- i think republic and op india and others are there similar is for broadcast there is nbsa and then i think after uh, republic got some flag for nbsa it it formed nbf which is republic and other regional media outlet so you know like any industry there'll always be competing interest huh. but do you think this especially because you've written on other facets of media you've written on film radio a is this lack of unity unique to india or news in general or does this or if you've looked at other industries this is fairly common everywhere see i'm not um, when you say lack of unity see these companies compete with each other because there is bound to be some 
some level of feeling of competitiveness or conflict. And that's very natural. They wouldn't be good companies if they didn't feel that way. But essentially, what happens in other industries, for example, I can take the um, uh, IT as an example. IT got its act together very fast because they realized that they may compete in the marketplace, but they have to co-opt on policy. If you cannot co-opt on policy and fund your policy initiatives, whether it is lobbying, uh, and I use the word lobbying in a good sense, not in a sense of bribing someone, lobbying and making the governments, consumers, citizens aware of what it is that you bring to the table. You, I, I'll give you a little example. Television prices in India are among the lowest in the world, cable prices. If you plotted them on a 20-year graph, for example, they've fallen in real terms. Here you have a TRAI trying to regulate cable and DTH prices to death. The industry analog cable is almost death, dead. There are hardly a few thousand analog cable homes left, but TRAI is still bell-bent on. Uh, where is from the industry, from the IBF, show me one chart which shows cable prices have fallen. Why is the TRA? Have you educated consumers? For an industry or for a business, whether it's broadcasting, whether it is publishing, for an industry whose job is in the business of communication, we talk, we, we publish so much, we air so much stuff, we create so much stuff. Why have we been so poor in communicating what it is that we bring to the table as a business for consumers, for this country, and to the exchequer? We don't do it. Do you know how much the TV industry contributes to the exchequer? Is there a figure in your head? No, because the TV industry has never communicated it. Do but you know do you how many... Because people can't come together to sit this on the same... Is, you know, you have an IBF. You need to hire a researcher. And when digitization happened, every major broadcaster ran campaigns for digitization. It was mandated. And it was in their interest. A similar thing. How much... You know, it, and it is not rocket science. What I'm suggesting is not original at all. The NCTA, there's a National Cable and Television Association in the US, in the UK. There are bodies all over the world which do it. They communicate. Why is bundling good for consumers? TRA's whole problem with NTO 1 and 2 has been, it is it feels that broadcasters are cheating consumers with bundling. So communicate. Now, why bundling is good? Instead of taking TRI to court, you communicate and create public opinion in your favor. Because if you have the facts in your favor, I don't find films. How many people a film employs is not funny. How much employment it provides. In Kerala, there are hundreds and thousands but, of films. Why people. do you think that communication is missing? Because there's clearly an incentive for them to I do have no idea. Them. I have discussed this. So in films, for example, I was told that, you know, the people, so, so South industry has this whole thing that we are different. So the Southern industry does not want to get involved with anything that Bombay guys do. Then the in publishing the regional guys, that is the non-English language guys feel that non-English, non-Hindi guys feel that they are on a different planet and the English-Hindi guys are on a different planet. In broadcasting, it is uh, smaller broadcasters. With, then there is this foreign versus Indian. So there are hajar reasons to differentiate with each other. But so the diversity are, also doesn't help. Yeah. No, it's a good thing. The diversity is very good for the industry. I just wish... And this is something I say with great amount of affection for this industry, Chitranchu. It's not anger. I have huge amounts of affection for this industry because to my mind for 20 years, it's been clear to me what this industry can achieve and it has achieved some of it. It has reached 30% of its potential perhaps. 
but there's so much left correct no but just to go back to what i was saying in the question specifically to news like if you i don't know if you've looked at uh, like say industries like film and news industry in us do you think when it comes to unity or when it comes to putting a stand together like it is a india specific thing or no, and like like for example like i don't know hollywood press operates in us when it comes to say like bargaining with the government hollywood press i don't care about but what we can so there's a motion picture producers association of america which is fantastic which is a superb job why do you think hollywood is a force it is you know it is it does not produce the best cinema europe probably produces better what people may call better cinema but the us industries are simply far better at um, you know doing the deals they need to do with the china with the switzerland with the this one with the that one so i think there are two things why it is this situation is unique to india one is a maturity of our industry remember that this industry really took off only mid 90s okay both broadcasting publishing films films has actually post 2002 2001 it got industry status so all these business businesses are not mature in the us you had publishing had like 100 years 50 years before radio came then tv came tv got a good 50 years before you know something else in india everything took off at once mid 90s hai na yaad hai aapko liberalization ke baad sab kuch ek saath hua so wo majority jo thehrav aana chahiye tha wo nahi aaya hai abhi is industry mein and that i think is part of the reason now i see that coming in broadcasting you know for the first time last year all these guys got together in a press conference and i wrote that this was like a eid ka chand kind of event you know ki getting np singh puneet goenka udish udesh shankar tha tab mere khayal se last year or year before last getting them all together on one podium and they're speaking in one voice against nto2 mm-hmm. so i think that is this is a mature business now it's 6 10 12 companies which are essentially in charge so now you when when the industry is mature business is mature is when i think Part of Correct. it is that also. Correct. Uh, uh, next up, I want to talk about platforms and influence of big tech in media, and especially news media, because that's like one topic that I am deeply interested in. So I'll just read a part. Uh, I'll just like read the part which is in your chapter on digital, and then I'll frame my question. Yeah. This is under the heading "Why is Why is social media so full of hate?" And you write, you walk into a crowded coffee shop. there are several groups couples and single at the tables some of those conversations can be overheard someone is talking about their personal problems discussing politics or holding forth on their achievements suddenly you hear something that displeases you start abusing the speaker soon the coffee shop turns into a battleground crockery is broken tables overturned the shop owner is left to clean the mess just when he is about to reopen he is told he is disturbing the peace if he cannot keep his customers in check he won't get permissions to run the coffee shop that essentially is the conundrum social media companies face and then later on you write this line the problem is us the people maybe it is time to start taking responsibility for our own behavior as citizens as audiences or simply as human beings now uh, i'm sure you follow like platforms but for me as someone who's who's been really following especially uh the reporting into facebook it really seems like an incomplete or a one sided characterization of like how platforms impact especially what they do to us what they do to society and what they do to the news ecosystem because even if i were to take the same coffee shop example now now we have research and data to show 
that it's not that people are fighting on their own. A, there are algorithms that are amplifying a certain type of content. And also there's research that how platforms or like all these social media platforms are driving people to a limit where they want to have such conversation. Wherein, so for example, if you're day in and day out, like uh, prioritizing or amplifying, say, Islamophobic content, people are more likely to say bigoted things against Muslims. So, so for me, it's it's a more direct link, and I would like to lay more responsibility on platforms than say like citizens. So, is that is that something that you do agree with? Because I really thought that this characterization was one sided. So that, that is one, and the second is. Uh, uh, I think if you a for some reason you did the chapter on digital is the shortest. Huh? Uh, no, it's, I have it's not a pretty long chapter. No, no, uh, but your chapter on uh, your chapter on uh, uh, TV and print are way longer in terms of because I didn't count the number of pages, but like I went through the digital chapter quite faster maybe because I was more interested in digital. Must be, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so a if there if there was less focus on digital and within digital, I thought you didn't really flesh out. On the on the role platforms or social media companies play. So yeah, two questions. If you could first uh, comment on the characterization and then the focus on platforms or digital in general. So given that you've read that particular case study, you're absolutely right. I don't know if you've read the other case studies or other bits of the digital chapter. In the digital chapter, have, the end. In the end, I have asked the question. And uh, by the way, I've been a serious advocate of breaking up the big four. Okay, I believe that it is time for them to be broken up because of the harm they are causing. And it may be inadvertent. I'm not saying they're doing it deliberately, not doing now. I'm not going to get into issues which are congressional hearing or a, a EU parliamentary hearing or an Indian um, joint parliamentary committee hearing will probably be a better place to do. But I completely, you know, I think it is a standard oil situation. Um, 1911 standard oil, for AT&T, 80s, you broke it up into baby bills. It is time to break them up because the network effect is so so strong that, you know, they've become powers within themselves and no government can seem to do anything to them. So that I completely agree. And I'm not saying that they are bad or they're good. And you cannot depend on the... Uh, of course, they foster innovation, they foster a whole lot of things. But I think at a certain point, and this is something only uh, lawmakers and technology experts can sort of get together and figure out at what scale and in what shape these businesses could be broken up. Because I really think that that is happening and the algorithm is leading. But you must also say, cannot completely um, remove the responsibility that we has, have, as, have as people. So there is some hatred, there is some thing inside of us, which has been tapped in by these algorithms. What was tapped earlier by a neta in a speech or by a, you know, some incendiary, something somewhere once in a while is now being tapped in rose, 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 aap us nas ko and that is my point. In this case study, my point is that that I think, you know, you say that, oh, this is this is insulting to me as whatever, or this is not. But don't watch it. OTT content is discretionary. It says adult rating. It says that. Why do you want to be spoon-fed everything? I have stopped going on Twitter. I have not watched news channels for nine years. I cover the sector. 
Like was not being on Twitter not a hindrance to promoting your book? I'm sorry. Yeah, so I put my stuff. That's what I said. I go to Twitter. In fact, in some other podcast, somebody I said I the two platforms I really avoid are Twitter and Facebook. And I was very fond of them. Incidentally, I just go post my work. Come on. I don't do anything else. I use it for my uh, my purposes, so it it really serves my purpose. And I'm not a big Twitter. I have hardly five five and a half thousand followers, so it's a huge. Because I'm a very uh, specialized uh, writer, and maybe I'm a bad example to give to any listener or uh, viewer, because I am aware of this sector. But even as a user, you know, it is very evident that hate is not a good way to live every day, na. रोज आप हेट कंज्यूम करोगे रीड करोगे देखोगे तो आपके अंदर नफरत भरेगी और जितने कंट्रीज इस दुनिया में नफरत की बेसिस पे सेट हुए हैं देर आर लोड्स ऑफ एग्जांपल्स ऑफ कंपनीज व्हिच यूज हेट एज अ बेसिस ऑफ सेटिंग अप द नेशन दे फेल्ड सो देयर इज दैट बट यस यू आर एब्सोल्युटली राइट द बिग प्लेटफॉर्म्स आई हैव जस्ट हैड अ लॉन्ग कन्वर्सेशन विद अजीत मोहन जस्ट डे बिफोर and i've asked him the same question you know you cannot absolve yourself of this he said no we do this we do that but the fact is he says no now we, i said this morning i have unfollowed two pages because they keep throwing all kinds of weird content at me you know whereas my uh, proclivities on a political side is will be very evident to any algorithm which has followed me for even two days but it keeps throwing random hateful stuff at me So I said I've unfollowed them. So why is your algorithm unable to detect this? And if you have, they say they have thirty-five thousand people who curate this. It helps make money, but <laughs> so on platforms. The last point I want to make, Chitranjan, which is very important. I think what is scary to me is more than the polarization is the financial hold these people have over the market. So seventy percent of the globe's advertising. So the incentive for independent good news operations or uh, blogs or whatever to come up become so what a uh, times of india a uh, news laundry all of you ndtv what you are fighting for is only 20% of the digital ad buy in india the rest of it has gone to two companies yeah, an ad free organization but yeah ah, you okay maybe not a news laundry but my point is express jo bhi top 10 mein hai in terms of news you cannot have ad funded good quality news for now because it is so determined by large numbers and those large numbers come to the companies which throw billions at uh, ai which throw billions at tech so they get the scale and they will get the, so it becomes a vicious cycle to usme chote or you your queens your entity these people cannot make money beyond the point correct correct so uh, but i'm guessing whenever you write the next edition we'll see more on platforms and how they impact news uh but just on that you know while you were giving your answer do you see this spe- specifically because legacy media especially with print and online who get their revenue from advert ad, like from ads and a large chunk of that ad revenue is going to the likes of facebook and google do you see this conflict growing between like legacy media who are reliant or dependent on ad and like platforms because so for example you've seen this in australia there are laws now yeah. sort in of france also they've had like murdoch uh, murdoch and his company has been working strategically a lot to make sure that in countries where he does have a influence uh some of the ad revenue can be funneled back to news organization so as someone who covers media do you see this conflict growing day by day because especially big media they would want to take take back 
a lot of ad pie that has been taken away you know but this is a slippery slope stitranchu jab jab france mein pehli baar kiya tha aur abhi again they are doing it and australia had written about this i've done a column or not columns around it but essentially this is a slippery slope to my mind because you uh, what you're doing is you're giving the big companies a lever you know what is the wherewithal of a a quint or a wire to go and negotiate for these kind of a wire is of course not for profit but nevertheless what is a you know where is the negotiating power the negotiating power will be with times of india it will be with the bhaskar it will be with the ndtv so this is just another thing which works in, and i'm not saying that big companies are bad or all big companies should not be making money that's not my point but my point is is giving back is not going to help this will be a bandaid solution to a problem i think breaking up big tech and making the market more equitable so that the smaller guys have as good a shot as revenues you know if you're good you can make money subscription say see subscription ultimately will still be a limited market abhi bhi india mein mere khayal se less than 1 million people subscribe to news sites or donate to news sites so yeah. so if you want the ad market for good quality the ad market for bad quality news is there and that is cornered by the big platforms but if you want the ad market for good quality news to work then there has to be a they have to have a bigger pie to fight for and they have to have more capital which is where your media ethics code is becoming a you know a bit of a problem correct correct jo so when the last question before we wrap up you know unlike the rest of the world our print news industry had was doing really good i think they as compared to tv and digital they had more operating margin uh and of course like pandemic really impacted that in terms of revenue so in the long run what we've seen in say like us and other economies it like the physical copy of newspapers mm-hmm. it has gradually phased out and like even papers as big as new york times or guardian for that matter they get more revenue from subscriptions or from ad uh as compared to like getting uh from physical sales so do you see that also happening in india or do you think the uh newspaper market in india uh will bounce back uh there are two things that keep the newspaper market alive in india and by the way it's bounced back hugely in the last quarter i just uh, last month i filed a piece on advertising and how media buyers are going bullhog for print and tv uh uh what keeps the print market in india alive and well is of course we have a huge underpenetrated penetration so half your literate population is still not reached by newspaper so even if you say chalo by 25% will reach b prices are very low and three home delivery in the west home delivery was not there so the moment the lockdown happens you're finished your sale is over and we have very low cover prices though many language newspapers are malayalam manorama or some of the tamil newspapers some of the bangla newspapers charge very high prices especially on weekends etc and across the board i'm seeing that hindi and english papers have been taking up their prices up gradually last 3 4 years almost everybody has taken up their cover prices by 20 to 30% you know 50 paise 25 paise kar kar ke they've taken it up so there is clearly some thinking on their side that um, we need to get more from the other side if we want to finance good journalism so there is that and if we want to fight the global platforms great okay thank you so much for taking out the time vedra we really hope this is uh, valuable for viewers i'll plug your book again uh, it's called the indian media business i'm guessing you can find it on amazon and flipkart and all the bookstores especially for interested in media you should definitely pick it up uh, i have not read a lot on business of media but like i'm sure uh, 
there aren't many books that come close to the kind of depth and uh, comprehensiveness that you've covered. So do check out the book. And, and thanks again for taking out the Thank time. Thank you so much, Chitranshu. You've been very patient in listening to me. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. Thanks. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. 